You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the Strong Towns Podcast. I'm Rachel Quedno, and today we're going to be speaking with a representative from one of the four towns in round three of our Strongest Town Contest. This contest is our annual opportunity for towns from across the world to compete for the title of Strongest in a bracket-style competition. Today we are speaking with Christian Wagley of Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola is facing off against Kent, Ohio in this third phase of our contest. Christian, welcome to the Strong Towns Podcast. Thanks so much, Rachel. It's an honor to be here. So your application uh, came from the Studer Community Institute and the Pensacola News Journal, um, which is a cool combination of, of uh, entities. What made you guys decide to apply for this contest in the first place? Well, I, I guess we we are still pretty um, pretty fired up from uh, from Chuck Marone's visit to us last September. Chuck came and spoke as the very first speaker in our um, year long speaker series that we're calling Civicom, which stands for Civic Conversations, and it's actually a partnership between Studer Community Institute and the Pensacola News Journal. And it's been an incredible experience bringing these amazing speakers to town to kind of help us be the, the best and strongest um, community in, in, in the nation. And so with Chuck being the first one, he's kind of planted that strong town seed with us here, and it's really taken hold. The community continues to talk about strong towns, and they're trying to apply that test to different things that come up in the community. Our elected officials are continuing to talk about it. And so uh, when, the, when the, the contest was announced, we have a member of the community who's an avid uh, fan of Civicon and comes to all of our events. His name is Doug Heatwall, and it was really Doug's idea to to apply. And Doug and I worked together on it, and here we are, a couple of rounds in, and we're really having a good time with it and excited about it. And it's helping us make our community stronger just by going through the process. Yeah, um, talk a little bit more about that Civicon um, concept because it's it's a very interesting idea and how you're kind of working with the community. I mean, I'm familiar with it, but for our listeners who might not know about it. Yeah. How did that come about and how is it unfolding for you guys this year? Well, last summer I was speaking with a, um, a prominent businessman, philanthropist in, in Pensacola named Quint Suter and talking about some different issues related to infrastructure. And um, you, you probably remember we had this <clears throat> huge and damaging oil spill here in the Gulf of Mexico in, in 2010, the BP oil spill. And from that, there continues to be this flow of money coming to Florida and other states um, for use in different different projects in the community. And we have a big new fund uh, coming to us as part of that, and infrastructure certainly a, a part of that that, that that monies can be used for. So we were having these conversations about that and trying to figure out ways to help our elected officials and our, and our community understand how to make good decisions on the use of that money and just being a stronger and better community in every way. And, and Quint said, let's, let's do this speaker series. Let's, let's bring the best and the brightest to town and help us learn these lessons from other communities who are maybe have already gone through a lot of these things and, and try to make these things happen here and be the best educated community we can be so that we can 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 do the best and be the best informed for for making good decisions and so that's where it started we were lucky we got got chuck as our first speaker and then now we have a a speaker one per month um, throughout the year of uh, 2018 on a range of issues from 
you know, smart investments for cities to a lot of things related to creating cities more for people, so walkability and, and bikeability, um, community character, how that matters, how you should work to preserve what's special and unique about where you live. We're going to get into issues such as um, you know, more diversity and how you design and allow the community to be part of that design and what, what, you know, what gets built and what happens where. So there's a variety of things going on with it, but all toward that that idea of being a, a, a better place to live or ultimately the best place you know we can be and making sure that the community is really engaged and involved in that conversation and then helping the community try to take the next step to helping these things actually translate into, into action in the community. And it's really working great so far. We're getting hundreds of people, over 300 turning out at each of these events cool. and people are leaving yeah, really charged up and we're continuing to work on figuring out how to make sure that, that these great ideas that these speakers leave us with get, get translated into action in, in our community. Let's talk a little more about the, the oil spill settlement money. How are you guys being strategic about um, what you decide to spend that on um, and doing the math on those investments? Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, a mixed, it's a mixed bag so far. There are not a lot of restrictions on that money other than they want it to they want to show that it's it's creating jobs and the fortunately the legis fortunately the legislation that came through the state of Florida through the legislature for, for has forbidden them the board that's overseeing this money from giving money directly to companies or businesses you know the, the classic come here and set up shop and we'll give you money so fortunately it doesn't allow them to do that but um it you know it does after that it allows them to do pretty much just about anything and and it's a mixed bag of art We're, we've seen some good projects submitted by our city for example to do a a, a second road diet uh, we have a, a corridor that's a very high speed state road through what was basically once a neighborhood and it's really an immediate public health concern because people are being struck and people are dying and, and being hurt along that corridor so they've put in funding to actually create a, a, a you know calm traffic calmed corridor through there there's another proposal to do a, a walkway along the waterfront we have a beautiful waterfront but it's very much still kind of closed off to the public in in, in parts of it so this would help to open up access to to that uh, and, and I mean, I think there's some other things that are maybe not don't quite fit the strong towns model. Um, and so we're still working to, to, you know, do the math. Um, our elected officials are are still very much learning on how I think how to do that. And, and they've been informed so far somewhat by by Civicon, um, by, by Chuck's visit and other speakers. We have Joe Minakazi coming in June who talks a lot about, you know, where the revenue really comes from in your community and how to maximize that so this is this process of the BP money that's coming is going to go on for multiple years. So we're still in the very early phases. So there's still lots of opportunity to to shape that. So we're we're doing some good things, but we've got a long way to go, and we want to continue to educate our officials about how to get the best return on investment. You mentioned a future road diet that's in the works, but I know that in your application, you guys also talked about a road diet that you already implemented um, a few years back. How has that been um, a positive impact for you guys? And is it still in place? Are people responding well to it? Yes, it's been very successful. It's the main, it's main street in downtown Pensacola and it's the first road diet in all of Northwest Florida. And it was done, yeah, back in maybe 2012 or so. And it was really done very strategically. It was a, it was a high speed four lane road through downtown 
that had cut us off from a, a piece of property that the public had decided we wanted to see made into a waterfront park for the community that included a, a, a baseball stadium, a sport, actually a multi-use sports stadium there, along with lots of public access space. And they, they realized as they got into the project that, oh my goodness, we've got four, four lanes of high-speed traffic separating the, basically the city from this incredible waterfront park. We've got to fix this. And so they did it, and they did it very successfully. It's full of landscaping and wide sidewalks and bike lanes, and it's beautiful, and the traffic still moves. It just moves at a, at a, at a proper speed through the city, and there have not been traffic jams created by it or any, any negative issues like that. And so the hardest one's always the first one, and now we have a successful one. And so it's going to be, I think, it's going to be easier to get these 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 next ones done that we that we want to get done. But it it has really helped to calm that corridor, open it up to pedestrians and cyclists, and help to incentivize business to want to be in, in that general area there, um, which just wasn't possible when cars were going so fast as they were for years. Yeah, um, something else that you guys highlighted in a couple uh, phases of this contest was the role of biking. And it sounds like that's um, something that's a priority for Pensacola. How have you guys incorporated that as a good transportation option in your town? Well, there's still a lot of work to be, to be done on that. What I would say to you is one of the greatest strengths we have as a, as a city is that because we were one of the larger cities in Florida uh, back in historic times, the population of Florida was really in North Florida, and Pensacola is one of the bigger cities. We have a large area of the city that was laid out in that traditional way, which was with that street grid. And for the most part, we've done a pretty good job of maintaining the integrity of that street grid. And so we have great connectivity. And I can use myself as as an example. I ride for miles all over town, in a very utilitarian way, I ride to meetings, I ride to um, you know appointments, I ride to go have lunch, to go see friends, and that street grid covers about a three by four mile area of the city, and I can go anywhere within that uh, very easily without using a car because of the connectivity of that street grid. So that makes it our city inherently much more bikeable than most places, and. So far, we haven't done a whole lot to improve and add on to that. We've done we've done a few things. We started to add a few bike lanes in places, and we're, we're starting to work on those connections between neighborhoods. So within that street grid, you've got neighborhoods that sometimes um, are real close to each other or next door, but there's a there was one of those high speed roads that separates them, and people feel that barrier of getting between between those from you know from one to the other. So it's in our plans to do these these to calm these areas and to make those strategic connections between neighborhoods. But one of the things that I mentioned in our application or in our, in our photos we submitted was we have started, this is just grassroots citizen oriented uh, event that happens every month called the slow ride and the street grid allows us to do that. And so we meet at a different location each month, typically a business or a restaurant and they host and we have as many as nearly 500 riders oh, wow. and this is totally the slow yeah it's just totally the slow chill out ride i mean you're riding five miles an hour and you can talk as you go and we route the route through you know down old neighborhoods and around parks and along the waterfront and through all the diversity of neighborhoods that we have in pensacola you know every income level and it's really opened people's eyes up to the city and seeing it in a new way, seeing it and, and, and at, at a slow speed. And we're getting people into neighborhoods that a lot of them have never been before. Uh, and, and it's really been a very positive experience in so many ways. And we're using that as, as a way to build support for the type of infrastructure changes 
we need because we've um, again we've got the benefit of having that grid, but we need some strategic connections in places. We need some traffic calming so people feel safer out there. Some people feel safe, you know, they feel very safe riding with us in this mass group, but we want it to be safe and pleasant, you know, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And so this ride is helping to build support for that. And uh, we're looking forward to those improvements coming. As something else that you guys mentioned in your application was that, that tourism is an important industry for your local economy. And that's definitely something that uh, many other towns that have participated in this contest share. Um, how do you guys balance the desire to both create a place that appeals to visitors and also make a place where people can enjoy living and prospering on a year-round uh, you know, life basis? Yeah, I mean, I think we've got a pretty good balance in our downtown in terms of we're not just building things for tourism only. We really are doing things for the people who live here all the time and just creating great places. And then from that, and and most of our tourism is related to the beach. We're right on the Gulf of Mexico. And so it's been, you know, increasingly we're attracting those people who come for each vacation to come and spend an afternoon in the city or, or, you know, or a day in the city or, or, or something like that. Um, you know, I don't know that there's a lot of real detailed things related to that other than just, like I said, continuing to create a, a, a great place downtown. I think we're, we are seeing some more investment in telling the story of our, our history that we have an incredible history. We're actually technically really the oldest or, you know, one of the oldest cities in America. We were founded prior to St. Augustine, uh, actually in 1559, but the initial settlement was wiped out in a hurricane and then St. Augustine came after us and they were, they were more permanent and stuck, but we're a very old city. We have a a university presence downtown and they're starting to put out more interpretive signage and telling the story of the, of the history and, and, you know, walkable places where people can walk between those areas. And, and so uh, that, that's been great. And they've been restoring some of the old buildings downtown and helping to weave together that street network and that, and and that urban fabric. And uh, so we're, yeah, I mean, we're making, we're making progress on that, on that, certainly on that, that balance between the two, but I think just creating the best place for everybody and inevitably um, there's, there's tourism that, that, that comes to that. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, what are you most excited about when it comes to the future of Pensacola? I think that, you know, I wouldn't say that it would be one particular project. What I, what I would say is that I think there seems to be an increasing willingness uh, especially with an influx of, of some newer people and, and younger people as well, there seems to be a willingness to to look at what our our deficiencies are, look at the places where we're we're falling short and the places we can do better, and to to not um, you know not get fixated on on um, things we did wrong in the past, but to really look forward and to to bring in the best and the brightest to help us advise us through things like Civicon. And to and to work toward making those those positive changes, a lot of it related to again creating a city for that's for people increasingly, and not and not just for for cars. So, and and and, and one of the other things we mentioned in our applications, we do have some major deficiencies with um, early childhood learning and education, and we're there are some areas, significant areas of our community that are very poor and statistically don't do very well in compared to the rest of Florida. And that's been identified as a need. We haven't, we haven't run away from it. We've, we've 
our community has dug in deeper, and, and, and I think one of the things I mentioned in our, in our photos we submitted is there's a project that's very active to intervene and really work as much as possible in those early years of childhood that actually ages zero to three, uh, because they found that that's the most strategic time for children to develop, to develop the brain. And so there's a program to give these, these kits to new mothers in the hospital. They actually call them brain bags. It's a bag full of activities and, and reading materials because they found that poorer children, especially poorer children of color, hear far fewer words in those early years than more affluent children do. And that's a deficit that starts in those first three years, and it's very, very difficult to make that up later in life. So that's going on, and educational classes with these new parents, and then also things like early learning gardens that are sensory, that create an experience for children where they can get out and move through that garden and experience different things in a way that stimulates that that developing brain. So that that's a big part of one of our problem areas that I think we are very much embracing and working to solve. And so I think of all things that makes me the most hopeful of all is that we, we seem to have this, this, uh, this renewed interest in, 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 in really looking at objectively what our issues are and working to, to solve them through, like I said, things like the Civicom series where we're getting people to come and help us, um, help us make good decisions on how to work through these issues. So that's, to me, that's very, very, that's very, very exciting. So you guys are up against Kent, Ohio in this round. Um, ha- have you ever been there? Do you have any thoughts on your competition? I I have not been to Kent. I know it's the home of Kent State University, and I'm sure it's a wonderful, wonderful place. And sounds like a wonderful place. I have I have not been myself. Yeah, me neither, unfortunately. So, well, thank you, Christian, for for speaking with us today. I especially appreciate your honesty in really thinking through uh, some of these issues. You guys are clearly um, have your finger on the pulse, um, but not without some challenges. So um, I, I appreciate that, that openness. And I wish Pensacola the best of luck in the contest. Well, you're quite welcome. Thank you, Rachel. We love what Strong Towns does, and we're very honored to be part of this. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Christian, and take care. Take care. Thank you. All right, everyone. Uh, don't forget to vote now. Make sure to listen to the additional podcast with representatives from the other three towns first, and then cast your vote for the strongest in each matchup at strongtowns.org slash strongest town. Thanks for listening, everybody. Taking risk is a necessity to becoming rich. It's also a necessity to go bankrupt. Bill, 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 Bill. That's a story. They know that America's one big pothole right now. Just to echo what you said, there are no silver bullet solutions. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Who made this city? window is not always open, but if nobody's pushing, then once the window opens, there'll be no chance to go through. I like you. I like your vision of the, of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit. Agenda 21. Yeah.